Well, good morning. You guys are doing all right this morning. That's pretty good. Uh, welcome to Global Engagement Sunday. This is a Sunday that we've just set aside to think about our engagement with the mission of God here and around the world. And it's also World Communion Sunday. And so at the end of this service, we're going to celebrate communion together with God's global church around the world uh, who are also celebrating communion today. So if you're joining with us online, I just want to say a special welcome to you and invite you to prepare your elements if you haven't done so already so that when we move into the time of communion, you're ready to do so with us here in the room. And again, welcome uh, to church today. We're glad you're here with us. Uh, we are going to dig into this passage in Ephesians chapter 4 because I think it says something to us about the way the church is intended to function. And in fact, today we're going to talk about what it means to be a fully functioning church in the world today. And we could spend time this morning, if we had enough time, digging into all of the parts of Ephesians chapter 4. We could spend quite a bit of time this morning talking about the call of God to unity Right, Because the church must be unified. A divided church is an ineffective church. The more division that exists within a church, the more their impact in the world is diminished. And so it's important for us to be unified. After all, we only have one Lord. That was a great place to say amen. And a few of you caught on pretty quick there. We only have one Lord. And so we shouldn't be divided as a church. And while we could spend quite a bit of time this morning talking about unity, that's not going to be our focus today. We could move to the last couple of verses that the McGrady's read for us, and we could talk about the fact that God's purpose for the church is that we would grow into maturity. Because the whole emphasis, the whole emphasis of Ephesians chapter 4, is that the body of Christ would be built up into maturity because Christ wants to fill all things and we are his body. And we could spend time talking about what it looks like for us to be mature, what it looks like for us to grow up into Christ-like character, what it looks like for us to engage in becoming who Jesus is in our world today. But that's not going to be our focus this morning. Instead of talking about unity, the way the church is intended to relate to each other, instead of talking about maturity, the ultimate goal of the church, I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes about the design of the church. The design of the church. Because right in between this call to unity at the beginning of Ephesians 4 and this drive towards maturity in the last few verses that were read for you a few moments ago, there is a key to the church found right in Ephesians 4, right in the middle of this passage that was read for us that speaks to the design of the church. And if we understand the design of the church, we are more likely, I think, to dwell together in unity and we are more likely, I think, to grow into maturity because God designed the church to function a certain way and we need to understand that this morning if we want to be a fully functioning church. You may have heard the phrase from architecture that form follows function. Have you ever heard that phrase? How many of you know that it came from an 1896 article by Lewis Sullivan? Lewis Sullivan was a Boston native and he wrote an article called The Tall Office Building Artistically Considered. That sounds like a fun article to read, doesn't it? 
Back in 1896, he wrote this article, and in this article, he coined the phrase, form ever follows function, which we've now shortened in our day and age to say, form follows function. I want to read to you the larger quote from the article. This is what Lewis Sullivan said. He said, whether it be the sweeping eagle in his flight or the open apple blossom, the toiling workhorse, the blithe swan, the branching oak, the winding stream at its base, the drifting clouds over all the coursing sun, form ever follows function. And this is the law. Where function does not change, form does not change. The granite rocks, the ever-brooding hills remain for ages. The lightning lives, comes into shape, and dies in a twinkling. It is the pervading law of all things organic and inorganic, of all things physical and metaphysical, of all things human and all things superhuman, of all true manifestations of the head, of the heart, of the soul, that the life is recognizable in its expression." That form ever follows function. This is the law. Now, he was kind of spelling out in this article the idea that the purpose of a thing determines the form and the design that it's going to take. That if you want something to actually accomplish its purpose, you must design it in a way that allows it to accomplish its purpose. Now, he was talking about the tall office building artistically considered, remember. And he was saying, before you go and design a building just to look beautiful, as important as that is and as nice as we like our buildings to look, he says you should not begin with the design. Begin instead with the purpose. Determine how you want the building to function and then go about designing the way it's going to feel and the way it's going to look because the form should follow the function. The design should flow out of the purpose. Now you already know this, but I'm going to remind you this morning that God doesn't do anything without intention or purpose. And so when God designed the church... There's something inherent in the way that he designed it which suggests something about its enduring purpose. And so this morning, for just a few minutes, I want to talk to you about the design of the church. Because I think if we look at the design of the church in Ephesians chapter 4, we will discover something about the intended function of the church. And then we will be able to unleash the purpose of the church as we return to the way God originally designed it to function. So in Ephesians chapter 4, right in the heart of this passage, what we learn is that Christ himself gave some gifts to the church. Right? He descended and then he ascended and he fills everything. And, and then the passage says that he gave some gifts to the church. Christ himself, it says, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. A pest for short. He gave these gifts, these offices to the church. And why in the world did he do that? He did it because these offices and these functions had a specific purpose. And so before we can uncover what that purpose is, we ought to just talk about those phrases for a moment and what those offices or functions do within the church. So let's talk about apostles. The word apostle literally means sent ones. We've got missionaries here in the room with us. Uh, you thought we just had a few missionaries, but actually I'm going to tell you a little bit later in the service that you're all missionaries. So welcome. Right? 
Apostle means literally the ones who are sent out, the ones who go out into the world and their job is to carry the gospel, to take new ground for the kingdom of God, to go out and to find places where the church has not yet taken root and to help the church take root in that location. So when we send a missionary from here to somewhere else in the world, what we're asking them to do is to carry the message of the gospel to that place and to help the gospel get rooted in that location so the church can exist there. We send people from where the church already exists to where the church needs to exist. And this is true if we're talking about a place on the other side of the globe or if we're talking about another community right here in the state of Indiana. Wherever the church doesn't currently exist, wherever there's a neighborhood or a community where we can't find a church and we put a church there, the people who go there are apostles. So when we use the term apostles, we're talking about church planters. We're talking about missionaries. We're talking about people who are entrepreneurs of the faith. They take the gospel out and they kind of pave new territory for the kingdom of God. Second term in this list here, we talk about prophets. Prophets are those people who help God's people faithfully uphold God's covenant. Prophets are incredibly important when you have a church that's being sent out because as you're sent out, you begin to engage with the world. And you need prophets to say, hey, remember, remember, abide by the law of God. That's what the prophets did, right? Prophets often spoke to Israel when they were in exile, when they were out in, among people who didn't know who God was, the prophets were the ones who said, remember, remember the law of God, remember the word of God, faithfully abide by the covenant. That's what prophets do. They remind us to stay true to what God has asked us to do. And then there are these people called evangelists. These are the recruiters. These are the people who go out into the world and say, hey, there's a movement of people following Jesus and you should be a part of it. And so evangelists invite people to join the movement and join the cause. And their job is to add people to the movement. So the movement keeps growing and it keeps expanding. And then there's these shepherds. And the job of the shepherd is to come alongside of God's people, to nurture them in Christian community, to make sure that their souls and their spirits are developing to be like Christ, to make sure that Christian community is being formed, to, to make sure that we live together in unity. A good shepherd knows how to help people deal with conflict. I know we never have that here, but some churches do. And when conflict arises, people need to deal with that conflict in a biblical way, and shepherds can help that happen. They can help bring reconciliation between people and keep the community together. Shepherds nurture the Christian community. And then there are teachers Teachers dig into the word of God, they understand the truth of God, and then they make it plain to the church, to the people of God, so that we know God's wisdom, God's truth, God's insight, and we become wise and we become deep as the people of God. And every single one of these functions, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, they must all be in the church. If any one of those pieces is missing in the church, the church is not fully functioning. The church is missing a key component of its call, and the church will not be able to do what it is intended to do. Why? Because God designed the church this way because he had purposes for the church to fulfill. You say, well, 
What do we learn from the design about the purpose? I'm so glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you right now. And when I tell you, you're going to say, well, this is so obvious. This is so obvious. And, and it is obvious. But obvious doesn't mean that it's always understood, and it definitely doesn't mean that it's consistently practiced. You see, the reason God called apostles is because he needed the church to be apostolic. He needed the church to be sent out. He needed people to always be taking new ground for the kingdom of God. That's why there are apostles. And why does he need the church to have prophets? Because he needs somebody to stand up and say, remember the faithful standard of God. Don't compromise your convictions. As you go out and engage in the world, don't become like the world. Remain faithful to the covenant of God. The church not only should be apostolic going out, it's got to be prophetic. It's got to be faithful to the covenant. And it's got to be evangelistic. We have to constantly be inviting people to join the cause. And, and we have to get better at this. As a local church here at Lakeview and the church in North America, we have to get better right? We have to get better at recruiting people to join the cause. And we need shepherds. How we need people to be cared for. We need people to be nurtured and developed in the faith. We need Christian community to come together in small groups and in pockets of people who pray for one another, who support one another, who care for one another. We need the church to be nurtured. And we need good teaching. God gave uh, uh, teachers to the church because he needs the church to become wise. He needs the church to grow. He needs the church to develop. That's why he gave teachers to the church. Now, to kind of summarize all of this, I would say it this way. That the reason God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to the church is because he wants the church to be wide and deep. He wants the church to be wide and he wants the church to be deep. You see, he gave apostles, prophets, and evangelists to the church because he always wants the church to be sending people out, always remaining faithful to the covenant, and always recruiting more people to the cause. Why? Because the church is designed to continually be stretching outward into the world, always taking new ground, always reaching new people, always claiming new territory for the kingdom of God. This is the function and purpose of the church. The church is never intended to just kind of, as Leonard Sweet says, hunker in the bunker. A lot of churches do it. And a lot of churches close every year because of it. Church is always intended to keep reaching outward, always expanding, always multiplying, always growing, always inviting new people into the cause. That's the way the church was designed. Remember, form follows function. Why did Jesus give those gifts to the church? Because he wants the church to grow wide. He wants it to always be pushing outward. But right behind that outward push is this deepening work. Shepherds and teachers. Right? You've got this entrepreneurial force that's going out, recruiting people into the cause, and the church keeps taking new ground and new territory. And what happens right behind that? Shepherds and teachers come in, and they help people grow in Christian community and deepen in their understanding of the Word of God. And what you end up with is a church that's not just expanding wide, but it's growing deep. And when that happens, the church is unified, and the church is growing to maturity. 
You see, we've got to understand the design of the church because inherent in the design is the purpose that God wants to accomplish, that his church would be moving outward and growing deeper every step of the way until the whole world knows. Until the whole world knows. And if there's one point, if there's just one point from this message today, it's this one. That the church that Jesus created, the church that Jesus designed, the, the, the way that he formed it, the functions that he intends for it to fulfill. He did not come to create an institution. He didn't come to make an organization. He didn't come so that we could have a certain category in the tax law called 501c3. Jesus doesn't care about any of that stuff. Jesus wasn't thinking about any of that when he designed the church. What Jesus was thinking about is he wanted a church that would not be an institution or an organization. He wanted a church that would be a movement. He wanted a church that would be a movement that would would carry this gospel along relational lines from this place where we are to everywhere. That's the mission of Jesus. Alan Hirsch and Tim Ketchum in their book, The Permanent Revolution, which is really a book about Ephesians chapter 4, an entire book, like a decent-sized book about one chapter in the Bible. Alan Hirsch and Tim Ketchum, they, they say that the reason Jesus designed the church this way is because he had Acts 1-8 in mind. Do you know what Acts 1-8 says? That his disciples would be his witnesses from Jerusalem, where they lived, To Judea, the next place. To Samaria, the next place. And then to the ends of the earth. What's the mission of Jesus? What's the heart of Jesus? What's the purpose of Jesus? To take his gospel message from here to everywhere. And it doesn't matter where where here is for you. Right? Some of our missionaries find themselves in another land, and when they're there, that place is there here. I know it's confusing, but just stay with me. You'll figure it out. Where, whenever they're in the place where God has called them to be, that's there here. But God has called them from that place to share the gospel from there to everywhere. Just like he's called us to do the same thing from here to everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. Because God's desire for the church is that the gospel would would cover the earth. Every nation would know. Every people group, every language, every tongue. There's not a place you could go on this planet where God doesn't want the gospel to go. There's not a person that you could ever lock eyes with that Jesus didn't die to save. From here to everywhere, that is the mission of God. And he's invited us into that mission. Now, I could talk about this for a long time, but I'm not going to because we got other stuff to do in this service. But I just want you to know, as your pastor, we are a church that is committed to the global mission of God. We are not going to just care only about our here because if we do that, we're not a fully functioning church. In the same way, we're not going to forget about our here and focus on everywhere else. Because if we're not focused on our here, who is? God put us here to reach our community for Jesus Christ. And that's our job. And so we're going to care about here. And we're going to extend our reach as far as God will let us extend it. 
We're going to plant churches and we're going to multiply sites and we're going to see God do something through this church from here to everywhere. He's already done it in our past and I'm praying for him to do it again in greater measure. We are going to be a church that is engaged in the global mission of God because that is what it means to be a fully functioning church. That's what it means for us to understand God's design and then live it out. So what are some of the implications from this passage? Maybe just two or three quick things that I would point out. One, there's only one mission. There's no such thing as church and then missions. No, just one mission. Jesus didn't die to do something different here than he died to do something different in another place of the world. It's all one mission. One mission to redeem, to restore. That's the mission God is on. And we as his people are part of his global church. So we only have one mission. So we don't talk about like church here and mission somewhere else. No, it's all mission. It's all mission. Secondly, we are called by God to be engaged in the mission. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, welcome to the mission team. Welcome to the mission team, right? Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out. If you follow Jesus, you are sent out on mission with Jesus. You don't get a choice. And if you're not willing to engage in the mission, I don't think you're really serious about following Jesus. Maybe you never thought about that, but Jesus didn't say, come follow me, and then if you like me enough or you think it's cool, you can be involved in the mission. No, he said, come follow me, and I am going to do this in and through your life. I'm going to make you a missionary. We are called to engage in the global mission of God. And third, if we fail to engage, the impact of our church will be diminished. You might think to yourself, I don't need to be engaged because we got people like Jeanette Spratt, and she's super engaged. She's engaged like enough for 10 of us. So nine of us get the, get the job off. No, no, no. Everybody has a role to play. And if you don't do your part, our impact as a church will be diminished. We will not have as much impact as we could if every single person in our church was engaged in the mission of God. So we need to all be engaged. So then the question becomes, how in the world would we do that? I'm so glad you want to know because I was planning to tell you. I got five things I want to share with you this morning, five ways that you can be engaged in the, in the mission of God here at Lakeview Church. And the first one, you're going to say, I knew this was coming. You can give money. Now, we have missionaries that we support. We have local ministry partners right here in our community that we support. And when you give money into our missions fund, if you pick up one of the envelopes at the offering boxes in the back, the second line there is a missions line. And you can indicate how much money you want to give to missions. And that money goes into our missions fund. And when it does, that money gets funneled into our local ministry partners outside of our church. And it gets funneled into uh, support of missionaries and mission agencies that do work around the world. It's a simple way for you to be engaged. Now, I want to make something really clear about giving to missions. Giving to missions is not like buying environmental credits. You know what environmental credits are? Environmental credits are when your company or your organization pollutes because of the work you do, can't help it. You actually pay someone to plant trees somewhere else in the world and take care of the environment somewhere else in the world so you can pollute where you are. Giving to missions is not 
mission credits. You don't give to the mission work of God in our community and in other parts of the world so you don't have to engage. In fact, quite the opposite should be true because where your treasure is, there your heart should be also. So what I want to ask you to do is if you're not giving to missions, I want to invite you to get in the game and start giving to missions. Just give up a cup of coffee a week and give that money to missions. You say, that's not that much money, but every little bit counts. So start somewhere and get in the game and then ask God every time you give that gift to change your heart, to be more engaged so that it follows your treasure right into the mission of God. Now, some of you give to missions on a regular basis, and you were using it like mission credits. And I'm going to tell you that every time you give from now on, I'm going to ask God to convict you. So that your heart starts to follow your treasure as well. Listen, I want us to meet our mission budget, and our missionary said, Amen. <laughs> Right? We, want, we want to meet our mission budget. We have obligations and commitments that we've made. But more importantly than that, we give to support the global work of God so that our hearts are more in tune with what God is doing around the world. So I want to challenge you to give if you're not giving. Secondly, I want to encourage you to think about Operation Christmas Child. This is a way that every year our church packs up these shoe boxes, we send them around the world, and a little kid somewhere on the other side of the globe is going to get this box delivered to them by a worker who will look them in the eye and share the love of Christ with them in that moment, and they're going to get an opportunity to hear the gospel. And all you got to do is pick up one of those boxes at the back and then just go and pack the box and bring it back over the next few weeks. We're going to collect all those, and we're going to send them out. It's a simple thing that you can do as an individual or family to support this, this work around the world. Now, uh, we have, I think, like 100 boxes back there. I went and asked Jeanette Spratt to order some more, because we're going to give way more than 100 boxes. And there's about 250 people who are kind of uh, in and out of our church during this season. And, uh, and what I just want to ask is that every single person, every single person, so if you got four people in your family, I want you to do four boxes. I know, I know. It's going to be okay. Let's do 250 boxes. We can do this. So Jeanette had ordered some additional boxes. She's calling tomorrow to increase that order again because I'm just believing that you're going to do it. So don't let me down. Don't let me down. Operation Christmas Child, you can be involved in this. Third, uh, we have some ways that we get involved in our local community. Remember a few months ago, we did the uh, baby bottles. We filled with change for the Pregnancy Help Center, and uh, we did like $1,100, I think, that we gave to the Pregnancy Help Center, which was wonderful. We've got another local organization that we're partnered with, the Grant County Rescue Mission. They do a wonderful, wonderful work in our community. They provide meals for people who don't have a place to eat. Uh, they provide a warm bed in the cold of winter for people who don't have a home to stay in. But they do so much more than that. You might not be aware of this, but they have life transformation programs. So people enter into the program and they can actually learn job skills and they get connected to gainful employment and their lives actually become completely different as a result of being in that program. And so when we support the Grant County Rescue Mission, we're not just paying for meals and we're not just paying for beds. We're actually paying for people's lives to be transformed through their programs. It's a great opportunity. 
Now, we support that ministry. That's a partner that we have in this community. But I want to let you know that there's a great opportunity coming up this Tuesday night right here at our facility, but not in the building. Grant County Rescue Mission every year does a banquet and their banquet uh, ha- happens at a local place here, and they've been packing this place out the last few years. Well, you know, COVID, as great as COVID is, makes it impossible for them to have their banquet this year, so they thought. They got in a room and they said, you know, there's got to be a way to have a banquet. Most organizations are just canceling these kind of events. Grant County Rescue Mission got in a room and said, what if we did a drive-in banquet? And then they said, well, we would need a big parking lot. Who's got a big parking lot? And they kind of looked around, thought about it, and they said, we think Lakeview Church has like one of the biggest parking lots around. So they contacted us, and I prayed about it for about half a second. (laughs) And said, of course you can do a drive-in banquet at our facility. So on Tuesday night, They're hosting a drive-in banquet. They're going to have cars parked all throughout our parking lot. They'll have a little stage set up. The radio station is coming, and they're going to broadcast to the cars. So you'll be able to sit right in your car and hear the program. And Peace and Plenty is catering, and you can get a free meal delivered right to your car. And there will be dessert. I'm just saying. Now, here's the great part about this banquet. It's completely free. All you got to do is go to their website, mygcrm.org slash banquet, and just register for the event. You just buy a ticket, although it doesn't cost anything, and you get your name registered. That way they make sure they have enough food for you, and then you just pull into the parking lot and park where they tell you, and you'll be good to go. I want to see a lot of the people from our church at this event, and if you can't be there, that's okay. You can go to their website and give a donation anyway. Because we want to support a local ministry right here where we live because that's part of the mission of God. right? Not just other places, but right where we live. Next, I want to introduce you to a brand new program that we are launching today called the Missionary Adoption Program. And we have this table set up right back here in the back. And we've got these little uh, missionary adoption program flyers. Inside, there is a missionary from our church, their picture, and a little bit about where they serve, uh, some information about them so that you know who they are and what's going on in their lives and in their location. And then on the back, there's a list of things that you can do to connect with this particular missionary. So some ideas. You could do a weekly or monthly Zoom call from your small group or Sunday school class. You could connect with this missionary. If you just divided it up between the people in your group and said, we want someone from our group every week to FaceTime or Zoom call this missionary just to pray with them and let them know that we're thinking about them and build the relationship. You could send cards. You can send uh, care packages. There's lots of different ways that you could be involved. Lots of different ways that you could be involved in supporting our missionaries. Here's why we're launching this program. Okay? Because what we know is we've got a list of missionaries. Some of you don't know any of them. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you don't know our missionaries. Some of you don't know any of them. We want to fix that. And one of the ways we're going to fix that, instead of just giving you a list of names, is we would like your family or your small group or your Sunday school class to adopt a missionary and go deep with that missionary, connecting and building a relationship, because that's going to help you know them better. It's going to increase your love for the mission of God, and it's going to help that missionary feel more supported than they have ever felt from our church, and that's what we want. So you can get together with your group, with your class, with some friends of yours. Go right back to that table. I think we have like 18 
of these, because I think I'm keeping this one. Carrie is mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adopt her. I just adopted Carrie. So, um, but there, so I think maybe there's like 17 now. So you can go back there and pick up one of those as a group or class or, or just even some friends or a family. And let's adopt all of our missionaries so that they have a deep connection with someone in our church. Now there's one more thing I want to tell you uh, that you can do to engage. Share your faith with a friend. The single most important thing that every single one of us ought to be doing as followers of Jesus Christ, if we want to engage with the mission of God, is tell other people about Jesus. Larry Walkemeyer, in his book, The Mobilization Flywheel, he talks about the fact that we should be everyday missionaries. As followers of Jesus Christ, our primary calling is to tell others about who Jesus is, to make disciples. When we hear the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, that does not mean just make disciples somewhere else. It means make disciples where you live. So who are your neighbors? Who are your family members? Who are your friends and coworkers? Who are the people you go to school with who don't know Jesus? Your job is to identify those people in your circle of relationships. Pray for those people on a regular basis. And then invest in them relationally. Love them. Build a relationship with them. Care for them. Meet their needs. Serve them in some way. And when the Holy Spirit opens the door, share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them and invite them to follow Jesus just like you do. Recruit people into the movement. Because that's our job as everyday missionaries. You can give money. You can make a shoebox. You can come to this drive-in banquet. You can adopt a missionary. You can share faith with a friend. There's lots of ways that we can be engaged. And I want to encourage each and every one of us to ramp up our engagement with the global mission of God in the weeks and months ahead. Now, as we come to the close of this service, uh, we're going to celebrate communion together. And the reason we're doing this is really twofold. One, this is World Communion Sunday. This is an opportunity that we have to join with the global church and celebrate coming to the Lord's table to say, we only have one Lord and there's only one table that we all come to to eat. And it's the table that the Lord has prepared for us with this sacrament. And so we're going to celebrate World Communion Sunday here at Lakeview today and join with the global church. But we're also coming to the table this morning because whenever we step out to do something for God, while we must be completely diligent to do whatever God has asked us to do, we have to always do it with an absolute dependence on God. Right? We don't have enough strength or power or ability to change the world, but God's grace can work in us and through us to bring transformation to the people around us. So we come to the table not just to join with the global church. We come to the table this morning to ask God for a new portion of his grace so we can be faithful to his mission in the world. So for those of you who are joining with us at home, I want to just ask you to make sure you have the elements there in front of you because we're going to pray in a moment to consecrate these elements. For those of you who are in the room, you should have received a little uh, communion cup that looks like this. If you did not get one of those, would you raise your hand? We would love to serve you and our ushers are prepared to do that. We've got some down here. We've got one over here. 
Any others? Any? Yep, got one back here. Good. Someone right up here. And then Brian, another one. Yep. Another one right here. Good. Right there. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take this cup and just put it in front of you in your hand. And we're going to pray to consecrate these elements and ask the Lord to bless them and use them this morning. So let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can be together. Gathering around the table of the Lord this morning. And it's different maybe than the way we would normally do it. But God, we're so thankful that we can celebrate this wonderful, blessed gift that you have given to us in the sacrament of communion and that we can do it together as one body. Not just one body of people in this room or the people joining us online, but one body with the global church this morning. Our brothers and sisters around the world, some of whom will be celebrating communion this morning in very secretive ways because if anybody finds out They could be arrested, imprisoned, or worse. God, places where years ago there was no church because no one had taken the gospel there, but today there are people gathered around the table of the Lord because someone was sent to that group, to that village, to that tribe, and they went and they proclaimed the gospel, and now there's a church there, and today they're going to celebrate communion with us, your global church. Thank you, God, for the extending mission of God that keeps expanding and growing outward. And thank you, God, that we get to be a part of that. This morning, God, as we celebrate this sacrament, would you bless these elements? Would you consecrate them? Make them holy. Fill them with your grace so that grace comes into our lives, empowering us to be the people you want us to be. So God, we give you these elements and we give you these moments. Please, God, please fill us in a fresh new way with your grace for the work that you've put in front of us to do. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Now for those of you who are at home, take the cracker or bread that you have in your hand. For those of you who are in the room, just peel back that top layer. There are two layers. Peel back the top layer first and that reveals the wafer. I want you to take that out. And as you hold that in your hand, I want you just to be reminded that Jesus' body was broken so that we could be a part of his family called the church. His body was broken so that we could know him, so that we could live in relationship with him. So I want you, as you eat this bread this morning, to be reminded that Jesus' body was broken for you, and because of that, you are his child and part of his global church. Let's eat together and be thankful. Now, for those of you who are at home, you'll take the cup that you've prepared, the juice, and for those of you in the room, you'll carefully peel back that second layer, revealing the cup. And on that night that Jesus was betrayed, after he had given his disciples bread that represented his body that was broken for them, he took this cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And this morning we get to drink this cup and be reminded that because Jesus' blood was shed, our sins are forgiven. We've been redeemed. We've been made new. We've been invited into the family of God. And we can be thankful today. 
So let's drink with thanksgiving in our heart this morning. God, we are so very grateful, so very grateful that your body was broken and your blood was spilled so that we could know you, so that we could be part of your family, so that we could be part of this body of believers that stretches around the globe. God, invite us today as your grace empowers us to be engaged with your global mission to redeem and restore the world. God, let us be a fully functioning church. One that's always extending outward and always growing deeper. Not one or the other, but always both. And God, as we pursue the purposes that you've designed us to pursue, unify us and grow us into maturity and let your name be glorified as a result of it. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your call. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.